0: And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. We are so glad you could join us. Today, Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 31 continues to be our focus. Let's learn more about righteousness and justification. And with his message is our pastor, Robert Elliot.
1: Now, it says in verse 21 something else. It mentions the law and the prophets. This is a Jewish way of referring to the whole Old Testament. Verse 21, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The whole Old Testament talks about God's law and the righteousness behind God's law resident in God. We'll see later in this message the law's purpose was to show us we need Christ because we can't keep the law. Habakkuk, the prophet, as a sample of the Old Testament, talking about the righteousness of God being manifest in the Old Testament and God's gracious offer of salvation. Habakkuk 2, verse 4 Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. Old Testament. The Old Testament and the New Testament are friends. They don't contradict each other. They're seamless. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. Some of you who have little children going to school now or soon... You'll take them by the hand and walk to the neighborhood school. You are a pedagogue. You are a tutor. You are a guardian. You are taking them to the lessons they need to learn at school. The law does that. It takes me and you by the hand and walks us to Christ to show us we can't perform to earn right standing with God. So I want to read verses 21 and 22 once more. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Believing does not equal respecting. There are a lot of people who respect Jesus who have never believed on him for salvation. Believing does not equal respecting. There's a difference between believing and respecting. I can respect your knowledge of your big dog that is baring his teeth and growling at me, but I doubt very much if I will believe you when you say he won't bite. Believing does not equal respecting. Respecting does not equal believing. Believing is so much higher than respecting. And believing in Christ is the way to the gift of righteousness. Believing in Christ is the way to justification, to being declared innocent, although we're guilty. So do you have this righteousness? You only have it if you've been given Christ's righteousness. Jude 24 and 25, a wonderful benediction near the end of the New Testament. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless. With great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. What a future scene. (laughs) What a hope. And it's for every born-again believer. Each one of us will be presented blameless because of Christ's work and being robed in his righteousness His imputed righteousness, being justified, acquitted in the court of heaven, will be able to be blameless precisely because all of us who are redeemed are robed in Jesus' righteousness. When God looks at you as his regenerated person, he only sees his son's merits because they have been imputed, credited, applied to your account if you're a Christian. And now... From the righteousness part of this sermon, verses 21 to 23, let's transition to the justification part of this passage, verses 24 to 31. First, we need to define justification. Justification is God's work, God's act of acquitting sinners and declaring them right before him or declaring them righteous before him. Justification, therefore, is not what we think that it is in our flesh. Justification is so much more than we could conceive. So very much more. Justification is not made right. It's declared right. Justification is not the subtraction of sin. It's the declaration of guiltlessness. Justification is not just a change of state. It is a change of standing. No longer are we viewed by God to be in sin because of Jesus. Justification is not a human attainment. Rather, it is God's free gift because of the cross. Please listen carefully. This means that justification is not merely just as if I hadn't sinned. That's not enough. That's only half of the equation. Just as if I hadn't sinned. That's only the subtraction. But praise God, justification is both subtraction and addition. Justification is God's work of subtracting our sin and adding his son's righteousness. Justification subtracts the believer's sin and adds to the believer Christ's righteousness. Now, let's see quickly five things about justification that verses 24 to 31 teach. Number one, again, it's definition. God's act of acquitting sinners and declaring them to be righteous. That is number one. Second truth about justification is in the first part of verse 24, and it's the basis of justification. The basis of justification is God's amazing grace. God giving us the good that we do not deserve. The basis of your justification and mine is God's amazing grace. See it there in verse 24? Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Do you know what grace is? If I'm going along JFK to the airport and I'm speeding, and the police pulls me over. He says, do you know how fast you're going? I know I was going fast, officer. I'm sorry. He says, you know what? I'm not going to give you a ticket. That's mercy. Withholding the bad I deserve. But if that officer reaches into his own wallet, his own wallet, and gives me a $100 bill, I want you to have a safe flight to Toronto. That's grace. Giving me the good I don't deserve. That we would be justified as born-again Christians is pure grace. Being given the good, forgiveness of our sins, a home in heaven one day, being given the good that we do not deserve. The definition of justification is God's action of acquitting sinners and declaring them righteous. Justification's basis is God's amazing grace. And it would seem that the NASB translation of verse 24 to me is not preferred to the NIV translation. The NIV translation properly translates verses 24a as, and are justified freely by His
0: grace. Freely. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers.
2: Today we're going to continue on the story of in our series on Stronger, and we will continue on the story of Joseph. And this morning the, the big idea is this: when life doesn't make sense, God can be trusted. And we've talked about last week in Genesis thirty-seven how Joseph was was sold into slavery, and you know his brothers basically told his parents that he had been killed, as they found. The, his robe and coat, and you know, it was you know they put animals' blood on it and, and made it seem like he was dead. And then we talked about it in, in Genesis thirty-nine when Joseph in Potiphar's house, when Potiphar had to leave, and he left Joseph in charge of everything except his wife, and she threw himself at him. And I think that you know, again, as we look at our culture today, we would all people would be saying, "Well, what is wrong with Joseph? Why not? Why didn't he just do that?" And he ran out, and she pulled his garment, and he ran outside the house. And, and, and basically, after that, she called the guards in. And now we see, as we looked at last week, and we, and we ended on Genesis thirty-nine twenty-one, and it said this: "But with the Lord, the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. He granted him favor with the prison warden. The warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority, and he was responsible for everything that done there." The warden did not bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And the Lord made everything that he did successful. Again, as we have been looking at and we've been thinking about how we're processing the aftermath of the hurricane Dorian and the aftermath of what's been going on, we see in this story of Joseph how God had a plan in it all. Even though he was sold in slavery, even though he was thrown into prison, God was still granting him favor. As we see in verse 22, the warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority. And he was responsible for everything that was done there. And the warden did not bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And the Lord made everything that he did successful. You see, even in all of these problems and what's going on, God had a plan for Joseph. God had a plan to put him in charge of all these different, you know, prisoners. And then we see how God continues to grant favor. And he continues to grant the favor because he shows him how, you know, he's putting him in charge of these people. And then he interprets dreams. And the people remember how he interpreted this dream. And so all of these things have fallen into place. And God is being glorified in the life of Joseph. And Joseph is seeing how God is working it out. But then we see, as Joseph has been, you know, put in charge again of Pharaoh's house, and, you know, being the second in command, we see a famine is coming upon the nation. And his brothers have to go and try to find food. And they come to the point where they are face to face with Joseph. But they do not know that. They do not know this is Joseph. But Joseph recognizes them and he knows that this is the time that he can do whatever it is to them. He has a decision to make. He can either pay them back for what they have done or he can show them grace and mercy. As the famine has come, he's trying. And, and, and as we see and we see the, the how you know the, all of this is working out because after Joseph tells about the famine... You know, in a dream about a famine is coming and they're able to prepare for this time. We see how all of this God is working out for the honor and glory. And Joseph is, is great, is, is, is able to be a part of this. And when we consider the plan that we are going through right now, the different circumstances, different problems that we may be going through, we must trust God's plan for our lives. And the one thing that we have to look at is we look at how in the life of Joseph, how all these things have happened. And we see, as we see in verse in, in Genesis chapter 50, as Joseph has done and he's revealed, he already revealed himself. And now his brother, his, his father is getting ready to die. And his brothers are, are, are getting scared, like, what's going to happen? You know, here it is. Dad's, you know, he's loved us. He, Joseph his love and grace. But now daddy's going to die. What is he going to do to us then? And this is what the, the scriptures say in, in Genesis chapter 50, verses, starting at verse 50, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said to one another, If Joseph is holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us all the suffering we caused him. So they sent a message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph. Please forgive your brothers' transgression and their sin, the suffering they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God, of your father. Joseph wept when their message came to them. His brothers came to him and bowed down before him and said, We are your slaves. Again, as we consider the life of Joseph, we would say, Wow, you know, here it is, pay back time for what they have done. But Joseph recognized that God had a plan in this whole thing. And in verse 19 of Genesis chapter 50 says this, But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You plan evil against me, but God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, do not be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them, spoke kindly to them. You see, when we consider Joseph's life, and we consider how God worked it out. Joseph recognized that what you planned for evil, God turned it into good. And I think that as we go through this time of hurt and you know the aftermath of Hurricane Dorian, we must look at ourselves and we must say that whatever was meant for evil, let's turn it into good. How can we as Christians come together? You know, we have this whole hashtag Bahamas strong. How can we live up to that? How can we show love? How can we show the love of God to people? There are many people hurting right now in this country. But when we remember this idea, when life doesn't make sense, God can be trusted. Let us hold on to that. And let us recognize that we have a God that is greater than our circumstances. We have a God that is with us through the circumstances. He's the same God in the valley as the same God in the mountaintop. He's the same God in the good times, the same God in the bad times. And we can trust the plan that He has for our life. But we must be willing to listen to Him and do what He has told us to do. So I would challenge you this morning. When life doesn't make sense, remember,
1: you have a God that can be trusted.
0: And now, today's ministry
1: spotlight. It's great this morning to have Brother Anthon Wallace with us in the studio. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Brother Anthon is serving as our music director at Calvary Bible Church and doing an excellent job. We just are grateful to him each week. Well, thank you, Pastor Rob. Yeah, oh, my, my pleasure. Uh, let's chat a little bit about worship, uh, Brother.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: wh- what is worship?
3: Worship is ascribing worth to God. It's the gathering up of all that we are and giving it back to God, all of the gifts that He has given to us and offering it back to Him as the source of all that, the blessings that we receive. It's the praise, the thanksgiving for the blessings of God. It's living a life that really is saying thank you to the one who created us, who redeemed us through the offering of his son, Jesus Christ on the cross, and is saying that all of who I am is going to be given back to God uh, for the many blessings that he has uh, poured out in my life, and for the fact that he alone is God and he alone is worthy of uh, being worshipped, adored, praised, blessed, honored, Respected, obeyed, and the list goes on and on. What is music's part in worship? That's uh, something that, in my mind, needs to really be carefully addressed in the church because a lot of the times we sometimes can confuse music with worship and worship with music. And they're, they're two totally separate things. Music can aid in worship, but music, in and of itself, is not worship. We use this gift from our Heavenly Father, this gift from Him, and we convey thoughts, we convey truths about who God has revealed Himself to be in creation, in Scripture, and we're taking this art form, and we're using it to offer glory to God. I love that. So it's, we can't really say uh, of the music segment of a, of a worship service, now is our time to worship. Exactly. It's just a part of it. And many Christians, we do connect, I think, best with God through this art form because that's the way he has wired us. While other believers may not connect with God, you know, through music primarily. And that's okay. You know, we're all made differently. Some people would connect better with God by just opening the scriptures and reading it or hearing it. Some would connect better with them through prayer or through communion. The best part of a service for some believers is the offering time. Yes. Uh, we, we have to not uh, confuse, you know, music with worship and worship with music. But we can worship God through music.
1: Excellent. Um, Does Calvary Bible Church have a philosophy of worship or music?
3: Yes, our philosophy of music and worship is that we follow what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, being filled with the Spirit, speaking with one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So we have a blended form of worship when it comes to music in, in the local church that takes the best of and you can't get any better than the Psalms, because that's the inspired, you know, Word of God, um, the ancient hymn book that God has preserved for us in Scripture. And so, we we like to always honor God by reading these uh, inspired texts in our worship, and uh, using that as uh, as much as possible as as the the springboard, if you if you may into our singing songs and and playing songs. But then there are also hymns. And um, we know that, you know, hymns, they they paint a wider portrait of who God is. It's a rich tradition handed down to the church. Um, And there are, uh, you know, um, spiritual songs, what we would perhaps call contemporary worship songs today, the new songs that the Spirit of God continues to birth through men and women whom he has uh, gifted um, with uh, the uh, talents and abilities to, to write songs and compose songs. So we bring the best of Scripture, Psalms, hymns, the faith that was handed down to us uh, through men and women like Charles Wesley and Fanny Crosby and so forth. Um, and they, they paint a very great portrait of who God is and his work um, in the world. Uh, and especially his, his, his work um, through Jesus Christ. And then the new sp- um, scriptural songs, the spiritual songs that uh, today help us to appreciate God um, through modern expressions, uh, if, you, if you may, of, of, of music today, but still the truth conveyed in there would help uh, believers to still connect with God in worship.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you helping us understand those things. Um, what are some of the opportunities that are here at our church for born-again believer musicians to plug into?
3: Well, we have a choir, um, a multi-generational choir. Uh, we start right at um, grade 7 level, um, r- right on up to Grammy and Grandpa, <laughs> <laughs> all serving together together. Um, and we have a praise uh, praise teams um and we have special music soloists and duets and so forth of course musicians uh play a great role as well and so there are opportunities each week for persons to plug in to the music ministry either as an instrumentalist and or a vocalist
1: yes we're very blessed god has given us People who walk with him that have great talent when it comes to music and marvel at that every Sunday, really. What qualifies a musician to serve Christ within the Calvary Bible Church family or anywhere else?
3: Yes, the two words that I like to think of, the first one is art. Do you have the skill? Mm -hmm. And the second word I like to think of is heart. Are you indeed a person whose life has been surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. And once you have the skill, the ability, and you have the testimony of being a believer in Jesus Christ, we have a place uh, for you to serve uh, in, in the music ministry at Calvary Bible Church. One who is surrendered to the Lord and one who has the skill. Those are the two qualifications.
1: That is a wonderful combination, when God uh, endows both, it truly is. Mm-hmm. This is great to visit. Uh, Brother Anthony. what else might you like to say or feel you should say to our listeners this morning?
3: Well, as a music minister in the local church, I think that we need to take the, our responsibility very seriously when it comes to leading God's people in worship. Uh, It reminds me of the psalm where it it showed the procession of the singers and the musicians going into the temple. And, you know, God has given those of us endowed with the gift of music the privilege of leading others uh, into his presence through praise and thanksgiving and and we we need to ensure that our lives are consecrated set apart holy for for the lord and for him to use us uh it's very disheartening uh to even think of persons who would have such a leading role uh publicly but privately you know our lives can can contradict you know, what we're saying publicly or, or even, you know, to uh, have individuals who are involved in music ministry and it's such a high-profile kind of ministry, but yet their testimony on the job or elsewhere in public yes. just contradicts what, what is being shared on stage mm-hmm. through music. Mm-hmm. And so it, what I would like to convey strongly is that we who are given this, this privilege of ministering to the Lord and to his people that our lives are uh, also lined up with scripture and not just make this a performance-based ministry, but one that is uh, really um, demonstrating the, the fact that we do love the Lord Jesus Christ and we do love his people and our lives line up with the truths of Scripture.
1: What a wonderful ambition and uh, what a wonderful priority to have as a servant leader in the area of music in our local church. Uh, We love you and your family
0: and we thank you so much for your faithful service to the King of Kings. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m., and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a Savior.